0: Hello and welcome to another Sports Next Door podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Monday, November 15th and I'm joined after a brief hiatus as I always am by my neighbor Max. How's it going my friend?
1: I'm good. A little overworked but in the best possible way. I've been busy for about a week My first broadcast turned into three more consecutive broadcasts. So it's been a fun, intense, busy week for me. Really
0: enjoyed myself. How was your vacation? Amazing. Uh, My vacation was spectacular. Uh, Got to spend some time with my family, which was really nice. Uh, Got to see some sights. Uh, The Northern Lights were not as (laughs) spectacular as I had hoped. Um, Everyone sees the traditional photos, we saw kind of a low electrical activity night, so really it was kind of like someone had poured milk on a black table, and there's just kind of fuzzy white clouds moving around you take a photo it, it shows up green on your phone but yeah wasn't as impressive as i was hoping for and definitely still on the bucket list as as a something to see a full aurora borealis but the vacation was wonderful and i want to hear more about your your broadcasting escapades what was it one sport different sports no, different dive into sports. this
1: so i did the basketball thursday night which was a doubleheader, Prepped. A good chunk of the week for that, and then I go to work as normal Friday. Get home around 3 30, uh, three, I think, because then I check my email around 3 30 and see one from my boss for broadcasting saying, Hey, Max, great job last night. Nice. would you be available to do games tonight, tomorrow, and Sunday? And I'm just like, Yeah, <sighs> I was so disappointed why I didn't get any hockey on the schedule, so like, I can't pass this opportunity up so I respond and then it slowly sets in oh hockey at seven I have to be there 30 minutes early it's about a 15 minute walk I've got two hours and 45 minutes to study for this hockey game and I know nothing about either roster how the season's gone so just as that's kind of setting in I'm getting ready to hit the books or the internet I get a follow-up email replying to mine saying that's great by the way you'll be doing it solo. <laughs> so I went from, oh, I have to fill in some interesting info and research for that. To I have to present this whole thing. <laughs> uh, so I had a very intense two hours. I show up at the ring, just kind of in a state of numbness, shock, try and get ready. And then at my elbow, mm-hmm. the guy who interviewed me and does the hockey play-by-play turns up and he's like, hey man, um, so I didn't get a heads up but ended up just having to do color commentary nice. I guess both the normal commentators were sick so they took alternating t- turns giving their uh, voices a rest so yeah. I did Friday Sunday with the one and Saturday with the other doing color Cut. commentary and nice. it was really enjoyable I'm so glad we've been doing this for a year I Plenty of struggles, plenty of things I need to get better on, but the confidence to speak, the awareness to not use the same words too many, not put too many ums yeah. out there, yeah. how to wrap up a point, read the other person when to speak, when not to speak those all skills I think we've both developed last nice. the past year. I was really grateful to have. And yeah, it was really enjoyable. Uh, the other thing was doing the first 10 minutes of hockey after a back to back basketball was such a game changer because yep. it's so static in basketball. Okay, bucket goes in, let the play by play finish, come in before the next offensive set starts. But the fluidity of hockey was such an adjustment from that. Um, also, go Miguel Martlett's 6 0 start to the season. That was really fun to watch.
0: Nice. That's so awesome. And basketball and hockey, two sports that we know quite well that we'll talk about um, in great detail this week. Uh, I'm really happy that you got this opportunity. I'm excited for you. And that's big time. Yeah,
1: man, I, the entire day, or hours I thought I was doing the hockey broadcast solo as scared as I was I was so hyped for it too like think about all the times we've spent in the alley practicing one of us with pads on the other one just dribbling that tennis ball up and down the concrete calling the game the whole time we imagine it in our heads and I was like ah, I've been preparing this moment for so long I- I'm sure I'll get the opportunity to do the play-by-play for it at some point and
0: yeah it's really fun so sick ah oh, amazing amazing well you'll have to bring some of your college insights perhaps to the podcast as we move along here but uh, until then we'll stick to professional sports and uh, got a good couple of shows lined up for this week we're going to talk some football fan cave little combat corner uh, and then we're going to do a bit of a deep dive into basketball today. And then later on this week, we'll get into hockey in greater detail. Is just an update on the season so far. And if you haven't been tuning in, then we'll get you up to date with some of our insights there. Um, and yeah, I think we're just about ready to kick things off here. Any last words before we dive right into it? No, I'm ready. Let's
1: get after it. I think we'll push the combat corner back a bit. Uh, so we'll kick off with a brief football fan cave before going heavy into our NBA check-in.
0: Sounds fantastic. Let's jump right into it. The NFL is weird this year and most sports are weird. Uh, there's a lot of parody across many different leagues. The NFL usually less so. You'll have teams that really separate into the contenders and The not so great uh, teams in in that regard but this season especially in the NFL I don't know if it's extra long I don't know if it's the COVID there's less home field advantage seemingly um, this season whatever reason it may be it has resulted in in quite a wacky set of results over the last couple weeks and no teams have really separated from the pack I don't know if if you remember from six weeks ago but the Tennessee Titans were meh nothing too special about them they now are the top team in the AFC at 8 and 2 didn't you say Derrick Henry got derrick henry got injured the last time we recorded yes i did and uh they still have gone on and won two weeks in a row without him beating the saints this week uh, and of course uh with their really big win against the rams last week so yeah tennessee is in a great spot it they have now beaten 5 pre- playoff teams who were in the playoffs last season in a row um, the last team to do that was the Philadelphia Eagles who won the Super Bowl uh, I believe it was in 2014 so or 2016 one of those yeah, I was in
1: university when they won the Super one Bowl of those definitely mo- not 2014
0: <laughs> <laughs> a recent season um, and it's a great time for the Titans even without their most impactful player they're still getting it done uh, it just shows the weirdness of the season so far in the AFC, the bills have lost last week to the Jaguars, which was ridiculous. Uh, Kansas city has been up and down. They had a big week this week against the Raiders. They now sit back atop the AFC West. Believe it or not, things are moving. Uh, Baltimore lost to the dolphins on Thursday, which was a big upset. Uh, New England who started the season around 500 have now won two Big games and back back weeks, blowing out the Jets, and, and then the Cleveland Browns this week uh, are now right in the thick of it, back where they were after one year off, essentially, uh, without Tom Brady. And now they're right back in it with Mac Jones, who looks to be on his way towards an Offensive Rookie of the Year season. On the NFC side, The uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, two stunning losses in back-to-back weeks this week, especially brutal to the Washington football team, um, who has lost Chase Young for the remainder of the season. And Dallas lost to my Broncos last week, which was an embarrassment. They come back this week and blow out the Falcons. Arizona Cardinals without Kyler Murray, uh, that's an important note to make, but they lost to the Carolina Panthers this week, who brought back in Cam Newton uh, after sending him on his way. Last year, and now you're kind of sitting with Tennessee's sitting there top the AFC, and you've got the Rams and the Packers who have taken care of business for the most part. Uh, but no real strong favorite has emerged on on either side, and a lot of weird results have made people question the strength of certain teams. Um, The Rams, especially one that I want to talk about in greater detail regarding the signings and trades they made this past week during the trade deadline, of course, acquiring Von Miller from my Denver Broncos. He's going to be a stud to put beside Aaron Donald on the line there and then going out and getting Odell Beckham Jr. After he was waived by the Cleveland Browns, they add him in. Uh, Robert Woods tearing his ACL, a soul for a soul, essentially, in that regard, for the Rams offense. Really sad to see that. But they plug Odell right in. And this is a Madden cover team <laughs> that could end up being the favorite for the Super Bowl with all of the star talent they brought in. They just need to make sure that it can mesh. Um, so, just a really wacky season. Uh, maybe the most bizarre result the Detroit Lions. Not going to go in 17, but they still may not win a game this year. They tie the Pittsburgh Steelers 16-16 in maybe the worst game of the season. And congratulations to the Lions. Let's, Let's give them a quick round of applause here.
1: You know, if I look back at last NFL season, something that stands out to me is right around the time we started recording late November, the Buccaneers were a 500 team. I, I just remember the tone and candor of your like pre-game, post-game analysis as a team, very much still on the cusp, trying to figure things out. And then over the weeks, they slowly gained momentum. I think they went something like five and one, six and one in their last stretch to make that playoffs and came in hot. So going off last year, maybe a couple weeks out from when a team might pick up some of that momentum, that yeah. uh, is. Really notable come playoff time.
0: Definitely. And with the extended season this year, of course, adding an extra week, um, it just means that everything is delayed, essentially. I mean, it, it would still be week 10 that just finished up last year. There's, of course, more than 10 weeks. But just the seemingly longer season, teams are pacing themselves a little bit more. So it might take a couple more extra weeks for them to start to separate and build towards that momentum for the playoffs. Finally here, my fantasy performer of the week. After many, many weeks off, I have to give it to Patrick Mahomes. It's really the first game this season that he's established himself back on top as a top performer. Uh, 36.2 fantasy points this week and a much-needed result in a divisional game against the Raiders who have given them grief in previous years. The Chiefs with a huge win to be back on track. And as long as they hang around... They're not a team that you're going to want to play in the playoffs, uh, regardless of the faults that they have shown this season. So if if you're one of those top teams in the AFC, you're not you're really trying to shoot for that one seat to get a bye because you could end up with that kind of divisional wild card matchup with the Chiefs um, beginning in the playoffs if if things end the way they stand. But that is it for my football fan cave here, and we're gonna move on along into our NBA season update. That's right. So this, for all those people who have snoozed a little on
1: the early part of the season, where on average teams are somewhere between 12 and four game, 14 games in, it looks like, that puts them somewhere between the one sixth and 1 7th mark, which is a nice point for data collection, where those early first three, four, five games, uh, really anything can happen. And we've seen some teams who had surprisingly hot starts cool down a bit. Teams who have had surprisingly cold starts heat up a bit. And we have, with a lot more of the seasons still to play than has been played, of course, a ton can change. And none of these teams can be officially eliminated from the playoffs. But I think here at Sports Next Door, we can pick a couple teams off this list and say, yeah, no playoff chance this season. So we can do some of that. Look at the teams who are on the down but still have hope. Look at teams with some surprising momentum and ask ourselves whether that's going to continue and just assess the data we've got so far. So that's what we're going to do here. Kicking off in the East, we're going to go 1 through 15. So starting at number 1, the east leading washington wizards nine and huh? three huh huh
0: that's huh a... huh washington
1: i <laughs> i think we picked them at number nine ten or are you reacting to the nets having ten wins and the wizards having nine
0: no i just is this really what anyone would have thought at the start of the season to have the east leading washington wizards i know i had them 10th in yes. my rankings A
1: bit of a better deal than Jack and a Beanstalk. They threw away one Russell Westbrook (laughs) and got three quality starting players who have all been great for them, along with Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, I mean, you pick up four bona fide starting core players and you expect them to have an immediate impact on your team. That's exactly what all four of them have done all averaging around 30 minutes a game. That's 120 of the 200 minutes you play players. So that's just so much of your roster covered and they're all giving good, efficient minutes. Uh, no one really too low on their field goal percentage. Maybe not so surprising in hindsight,
0: or do you think this can continue? I, I still have my reservations about this team. The, it's It definitely seems like one of those teams where the whole roster, they got a bunch of dudes who can play, right? One through 10, essentially. It's a pretty deep rotation. You've even got like Isaiah Todd and Corey Kispert as the rookies not getting much playing time, but they could be your 11th and 12th guys off the bench. It's, it's a solid team with a bunch of guys who can play and they're meshing well. Um, the reservations I hold with this team is... Minus Bradley Beal, where is the rest of the star power that comes uh, when he starts to be taken out of this game? Early on in the season, in a regular season, the Washington Wizards have caught a few teams and Kuzma's been great. Dinwiddie's been great. Harrell has been dominant, uh, returning to his sixth man of the year form uh, from a couple of seasons ago. But I just don't see them sustaining it in the same way obviously Beal only at 23 points per game has room to grow there and he'll probably see an uptick but if he sees an uptick will the others see an uptick I think part, partially their success has been the sharing of the usage rate um, and this is also a team that isn't great in a lot of its defensive stats but it is number one in the league in opponents effective field goal percentage which means teams are shooting less threes against them. Um, They're making less shots. And I just don't know if that's a sustainable number based on their other defensive metrics. And I could see that falling back down to earth a little bit. Yeah, that stat alone, they don't
1: really stand out anywhere elsewhere in the defensive stats, but they are fourth best defensive rating so far. In terms of matchups, I don't think they've been challenged too heavily yet. Um, But looking at the East, I don't even I can't pick that five, six team gauntlet right now that could really set a team back. Um, But the West for certain, you see that in the top five, six teams, and they haven't had to face any of those top teams in the West yet. They're three losses coming to the Nets, Raptors and Hawks. Um, Other than the Nets, that's not really what you want from a top team, although they did meet the Raptors. Uh, in the midst of the hottest they've played all season and did take the first matchup against that squad at the start of the season. So hard to get a read on there. Um, Definitely a team that you don't expect uh, major things from clutch time playoffs. However, this deep, talented roster performs regular season. All right, that'll let us move on to the number two squad. The Brooklyn Nets, who, after a rough 500-ish start, have gone 6-1 and in their last seven games. Some more stats, just to paint a broad picture. They're a league-best 39% from three, a sixth-best defensive rating. Um, KD an absurd start to the season uh, probably would take the MVP vote if it ended here. And now a league leading 29 ish points at 58% field goal percentage and uh, 42% from three. nuts
0: just nuts.
1: Yeah. That's 35 minutes. I expected to see KD and Harden closer to the 30 minute mark but both of of them getting 35 minutes. Harden, a bit cooler than we expect to see. Uh, Nothing to turn your head at. I mean, 20 points off like a 40-plus efficiency, around 40% on his three-point shooting as well. The one stat I was really interested to look for, and it did not disappoint, at just around five free throws averaged a game, that is his career lowest since 2011-2012. Overall, this team shooting the three ball really well. Uh, Sixth best defensive rating in the league is going to mix and match with that very well. They've had a couple of losses that I'm really curious to see how they uh, regroup with. To the Bucks, the Heat, the Hornets, uh, and the Bulls are the four teams who have beaten them so far. Those all Eastern teams, if they can't get a read on how to win those matchups, this is going to hurt them over the season. Um, but if they come in with that top mentality looking for revenge and get comfortable wins in all those games, that's going to be a real clear metric for this as the top team in the east so far, I think,
0: yeah. Uh, a team that's experienced success without their their third star in in Kyrie Irving. but Kevin Durant. There's a reason he's number one on that MVP ranking uh, ladder at NBA.com. He has been sensational. Another stat for James Harden I'd like to point out is he's up up around five turnovers a game. So pretty close to his free throw rate right now. Um, Definitely seeing an impact on the new rule changes on Harden's game. And I think he will eventually adapt. He's playing his way into shape, but there's been a lot of possessions this season where he's been shut down by some, average defenders, let's say. And I think the next step of his game is rather than trying to force ticky tack fouls on the perimeter, it'll be about navigating that pick and roll. He's so adept at it. I mean, he's still averaging almost 10 assists per game. It's going to be about operating in that short floater game in that because he's got a great floater and can he become a more effective mid-range shooter off the dribble? Because that's where his points are going to be made up from the lack of free throws and uh, it will be interesting to see if they adjust there and this team I guess the one thing I would say is is has the 26th rank strength of schedule so far this season so they are in line for some more difficult games as the season goes along and and that could be a good um, litmus test of where they stand as they move on through the season
1: glad you mentioned that because their next six i find really interesting they'll have to go up against the warriors and Suns, the top two teams in the west right now mm-hmm. as well as two matchups against the calves who are nine and five to start the season we'll get to that quite shortly actually um but going against the fourth team in the east and two top teams in the west there's definitely some room to drop yeah. there but if they can weather those games again another metric for this team being a top team in the league. We'll be really curious to check back in on that around the start of December. All right. Our number three team. I think I had these guys pick to go fourth in the East. And so far that's about where they're at. The Chicago bulls nine and four to start their season could be a lot better, except they have two, a back-to-back pair of losses against the 76ers who have had a rough start to the season. Again, we'll get there when we get there. Um, But also some big wins for this team against good Western teams, including most impressively probably last night beating the seven-game win streak Clippers. uh, DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine doing exactly as I expected with near identical stats at a 26-point average, give or take 0.3, on 49% shooting and 36%. From three, Um, you're two big guys getting it done as they're supposed to. And your biggest reservation about this team was their defense. Fifth best team defensive rating thus far into the season.
0: Bro, Alex Caruso should be in line for in that defensive player of the the year conversation so far. The way he's been. Um, Lonzo Ball making me eat my words has been really active. Uh, as a perimeter defender at the point of attack and then DeRozan, Levine, Vucevic subpar defenders historically are competing right and in the regular season that's going to matter a lot more than the playoffs is if you're giving that effort and these guys are all energized they feed off of each other really well there's there was worries about who's going to Score who's going to touch the ball but all these guys move the ball really well they love to pass they love to share it and the complementary skill sets of this team so far uh, have been fantastic and they've gotten a lot of production out of their bench too Javante Green, Derek Jones Jr, Ayo Desunmu uh, have been really interesting players uh, and given them a lot of energy and complement to their two top scorers and in the end, it boils down to, like, I'm just so happy for DeMar, man. He's been stuck. I guess stuck isn't the right word, but stuck in Toronto, stuck in San Antonio, markets that don't set, get the same national exposure. And he has turned into one of the best and most efficient scorer playmakers in the league. Um, and he's finally getting the recognition he deserves. He's having an unbelievable season so far to start. Yeah.
1: Yeah, the Bulls with a league leading 14% of their points coming from the mid-range. You got to think of tomorrow, a big chunk of those, the beautiful game. And the other thing about a team with so much star power, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of double teaming in the defensive rotation, which means there should be a lot of open looks somewhere. The best shot you can take in the game, the corner three, the Bulls at 47.7%. So far from there, I think that's a third, fourth best in the league ballpark. Okay. We move along to the number four team in the East, and my biggest surprise so far through this list, that's the Cleveland Cavaliers with a 9-5 and start. I've got my own thoughts on this, not a ton of them, but Owen, I'd love to hear yours first.
0: Yeah, this was a team that I wasn't high on, but I did mention at the beginning of the year, they were going to be really fun to watch with the way that they operate their lineups and they a lot of times run three guys over six foot 10 out there at the same time with Markin and Mobley and Jared Allen. But really like what it comes down to is Evan Mobley already is so far advanced from where a rookie should be um, already comparisons to Kevin Garnett uh, have been made and he does everything on both sides of the ball it's it's simply extraordinary what he's been doing and he is averaging 15.6 points per game uh, two assists eight rebounds one steal 1.5 blocks he's everywhere um, shooting really high field goal percentage of 53 percent and just flowing within the offense if And taking guys off the dribble, too, with the size. He can punish dudes down low. We saw him do it late to Jason Tatum in their win against Boston when they were down 19. And then he can also take bigger defenders off the dribble or shoot the mid range. He's really fluid for a guy of his size, and that's been a big part of their success. And then an underrated part of their success has been the injury to Colin Sexton, which you never want to see an injury happen, but it's allowed them to play this Rubio-Garland tandem that really moves the ball well and shares it a lot to their bigs um, gets open looks for guys rather than looking to score first like a Sexton does and that's led to a lot of success for this team that lineup's been really really successful
1: yeah sharing the ball something that really stands out to me looking at this team's individual stats um, Sexton actually included but Garland Sexton, Mobley, Allen, Rubio, Markkanen all averaging less than 14 field goal attempts per game and all averaging between 17 and 12 points per game. So mid-range production from a high volume of players uh, sharing the ball well at a high or like decent efficiency clip because no one's trying to do too much with it. Um, Their schedule so far... Looked fair weather. They've had some tests in there. They've passed, um, but definitely, I think they were one of the teams that missing a like rough slew of those top ranked matchups. So one of the starts I'm more expecting to see cool down relative to others. All right, moving along. I'm a little disappointed with this one. The Miami Heat fifth at eight and five. This is the team I thought and still think will finish best in the East. Um, But they had a rough three-game losing streak against some Western teams, the Nuggets, the Lakers, which is the biggest disappointment there as the loss to the Clippers came in the middle of the aforementioned seven-game win streak for the Clippers. Uh, We talked about the Miami Heat a couple weeks ago. Such an active defensive team that makes it so tough for other squads to score. That's cooled down a little. They're not among the top defensive rating teams in the league. They are, however, top of the offense, which really did not see that coming. Uh, They are number four with O, ninth best defensive rating, which gives them a second league best uh, net rating between the two. League leading rebounds at 48.8. And... Butler and Bam averaging around twenty. Bam a little lower. Butler a bit higher. Nice, pleasant surprise for them is to see Tyler Hero in there with them around twenty-one. Uh, similar efficiency, but he's just managed to step up and take on more responsibility this season. Though,
0: yeah, he's been great. Um, front runner for six man of the year, and that was one of his goals coming into the season. Uh, spark plug off the bench for them, just when you've got a guy like Kyle Lowry who consistently gets them at a great pace, always finding open players, and you've got a great shooter in Duncan Robinson and then Jimmy and Bam are going to do their thing. Uh, Tyler hero provides that secondary scoring off the bench and he's acting with the confidence right now that like, he's the best player on the floor whenever he steps on it. And he's got the game to back it up, hitting a bunch of tough shots and, um, shooting relatively great clips for the amount of usage that he's had. The The worry I have for this Miami team is it is a little bit shallow in terms of depth. And uh, like I said, at the beginning of the season, they're going to have a solid regular season, but they're just looking to maintain their older guys workload so that when it gets to the playoffs, they're ready to roll because they are going to be a really, really tough out. And we saw that instantly. The fact that they're fourth in offensive rating We were a little worried about that, but you forget about the creation that all of these guys have. Jimmy can pass. Kyle can pass. Bam can pass. Duncan Robinson gives it up if he's getting double teamed out on the three point line, right? Like they move the ball really well and they share it. And uh, Again, really complimentary high basketball IQ. And this team is going to stay steady throughout the whole season. Uh, They're looking really good to start.
1: And they've always got their defense to rely on to create some offense for them when they need it.
0: Yeah. Uh, one last
1: note for them. They have a chance to really hurdle ahead here. They're going to have a back-to-back shortly against the Wizards, who, as we mentioned, the top team in the East. So if they can tackle that and take both games, it comes in the midst of a stretch against teams such as the Thunder, I think, uh, the Pelicans and the Pistons, I think that's going to be four games for them. So that if they can take those two wins against the Wizards and grab the other four wins easy as they should, that could be a huge burst of momentum for them. So don't be surprised if you see the Heat jumping a few spots in the power rankings in the coming weeks. A team that is falling and may continue to free fall, the Philadelphia 76ers, currently on a four game losing streak at 8 and 6 and four of the wins they have two against the pistons one against the pelicans one against the thunder are the alarm bells ringing ringing in philadelphia? Owen?
0: I wouldn't say so. Um I think the the losses are directly related to Joel Embiid being out. The worry that you have is that he does have covid. And it looks like it is affecting him a little bit. So coming back, he may not be the same player. And because you don't have a guy like Ben Simmons to anchor your defense on a night-to-night basis uh, without Embiid at 100% as well, this team's going to give up a bunch of points. And despite the great step-up of Tyrese Maxey yeah. averaging almost 18 points a game, he's been phenomenal. Uh, Tobias Harris, steady as ever. Seth Curry, steady as ever. Um, there's not a lot of creation beyond that, and that's one place where they really are missing Ben Simmons is despite his lack of shooting, he did flow in the offense well during the regular season and used his playmaking the fine guys and got things going in transition. Um, this is a team that without Joel Embiid as its best player MVP is of course going to struggle, and I don't think it's fair to put an exact... Uh, stamp on this team yet until we see Embiid o- back in healthy. With that said, <laughs> it's rare that we see Joel Embiid uh, on the floor consistently and healthy. Yeah, you've got to think
1: on average, there seem to be somewhere between 10, 20 games a season. They just can't count on that. And the team being in a bit of a tighter spot than recent uh, high performing seasons. How they do outside those 10 20 games going to be a lot tighter and a lot more clutch for them to even finish comfortably in that, those top six playoff teams. We move along to the New York Knicks, who are seven and six, but two and five in their last seven. Uh, This is about where my research ran out. So about to hear a lot less from me going forward and hopefully more from Owen continuing to fill in admirably as he has done so far. What do you think is going on with the Knicks?
0: So the interesting stat that I heard about listening to another podcast is the Knicks have a terrible starting lineup net rating. So I believe it's, it's Walker Barrett, Fournier, Randall, Mitchell Robinson is is just brutal in terms of their net rating. They're getting outscored um, by about four points per 100 possessions, uh, whereas their bench unit is killing other teams' bench units, and that's kind of led to that balance of what we've seen from this team. It feels like the sky is falling in New York because of the size of the market and the fanaticism that comes from that fan base, but to be where they are at seven and six, sitting in the middle of the pack, just as they were last year, with lots of things to still figure out. I think they're in a pretty good spot. Um, this could be a team, though, that all of a sudden is is getting pressure to make moves because they do have a bunch, of bunch, a bunch of middle tier guys that they can package together for something special. Uh, R.J. Barrett's been solid, but hasn't taken that next step that I think everyone was hoping him to take. And Julius Randle is having kind of the, uh, the Pascal Siakam season of 1920 coming off of that championship. He had a great start to the season and then tailed off. Uh, I think teams are starting to figure out Randall in the same way that they figured out Siakam. Um, so it will be interesting to see if, if Randall can make that adjustment, but the, the, Honeymoon phase has worn off for this Knicks fan base. It only took 12 games or so. They were really happy with the team's performance last year because it was above expectations, and now the bar has been raised, and the pressure's on in the Big Apple.
1: Yeah, it feels like all their investments, just kind of giving them that average return that any professional would expect, but you hope to hit a jackpot on one of those guys, Kemba, Fournier. You hope Barrett makes that next step. Randall's still like just kind of hovering around the averages. He had last season still at double double level for now. But as you said, that seems to be falling a little. So definitely something to check back in over time at two and five in their last seven. As I said, they've got to change something quickly or they'll be out of the middle of the pack. Okay, we move along to the Charlotte Hornets, who eight and seven um i'm actually kind of surprised by this one and trying to figure out what's going on because i feel like i've seen all the teams hammering charlotte as i've gone through what have you seen from them
0: uh this is this is a boomer bus team it seems like early in this season uh they actually have a negative uh point differential margin of victory and a really high strength of schedule so it's 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 hard to really get a handle on this season so far for the hornets i mean the biggest story for them is miles bridges who is running away with the most improved player award he's leading their team in scoring at 21 and a half points per game uh, he's been fantastic and really has stepped forward as a guy who could be so much more than a three and d player that most people had projected him as uh, lamello ball of course having a strong uh, second season, no sophomore slump here, 15 or 19 points per game and and seven assists per game. Turnover is a little bit higher than you would have liked, but you've got the secondary playmaking of Hayward and the secondary scoring of Rochier. They're just, it's, it's a team that's still missing that reliable center presence. And that has really put a damper on their defense. They're, 27th ranked in defensive yeah. rating uh bottom four in the league which is terrible and i think a lot of that comes from the inability to stay in front of guys on the perimeter and then not having that anchor defensive presence there Plumlee, pj washington Jalen mcdaniels like there's just not enough size there um Might be interesting to see if they try and give Kai Jones some run, but typically playing younger bigs is not going to lead to an increase in defensive rating. So look for this Hornets team to possibly be on the lookout to bring in a more defensively oriented center to really help their team uh, continue to push towards the playoffs as the season goes along.
1: And is that a trade they're just forced to make and hoping or one you see real potential in taking them to that next level kind of where i don't know the 76ers
0: the knicks uh
1: the heat are playing at.
0: i would say there's not a trade out there unless you're going for a pretty special player that will elevate them this is a team where you're kind of in that phase where you're just looking to see them develop taking the lumps um they play at a really high pace and it's going to be a lot of fun but I mean, I had them projected 11th going into the season. It's not like they're expected to do something great. And after getting into the play-in game, I think the expectations were high in Charlotte, but it's still a really young team that's got to learn how to put together consistent performances uh, in the in the league. So I I don't expect them to make a trade because they don't need to. They're not going for a title this year. They're going for a title two, three years from now. Um if something falls in their lap, they'll probably take it. But for now it's, can you play more of these young guys, learn how to really establish those defensive habits um, and we'll see where they can go from there. All right. No prep required on this next
1: team. At a perfect five hundred seven seven and seven are the Toronto Raptors for the ninth best spot in the East. <laughs> Just like any season, A lot of ups and downs, highs and lows, silver linings. Uh, Where do you want to start with these guys?
0: Uh, It's kind of where we thought it would be, right? This is a team that struggles to score in the half court set, but does so much with their defense. Um, Surprisingly 10th best offensive rating in the league. I think that's Un. I don't think that that shows the full picture. They actually play at the second slowest pace in the league, which is surprising as well, but uh, it really comes down to defensive rating. They don't have a high defensive rating, 17th ranked, but they lead the league in deflections. And it's a lot like Trayvon Diggs of the Dallas Cowboys. Um, this is truly a boomer bust team as opposed to Charlotte. They go for everything. Gary Trent jumps every passing lane. OG jumps every passing lane. Fred Van Vliet's got his hand in everywhere. And they force a ton of turnovers. Um, and and that's what's led to their their great offensive rating. But I just think when it when they're not get forcing those turnovers, they actually do struggle to stay in front of people. And we'll see if Pascal Siakam coming back can help with that. He had a, a great looking game, um, but they are 0-3. so far in the games that he's played and they're looking to figure out how they can fit him alongside rookie sensation Scotty Barnes
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, second in the league in steals as well as fast break points and I think they were first in the league in percentage of points off turnovers so another boomer bust thing where when their defense is clicking it's providing the offense for them and when it's not That's a huge part of their offense. They have a question mark for that's holding them back. Uh, That loss to the Pistons was pretty brutal to watch defensively. They gave Grant like two, three open looks at the three in the last three minutes and just shot themselves in the foot in a completely winnable game. There will be so much Raptors coverage on this channel over the months. I don't feel the need to linger on them too long. Number 10, we've got the Boston Celtics at 6-7, and game in hand on the wraps, so they could catch that number nine spot, two games in hand in the Hornets. They could catch that number eight spot, uh, but not the start the Celtics were looking for at all this season. A lot of bad losses early.
0: Yeah, there's rumblings, early rumblings in Boston. Can these two wing generational talents play together in Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum? Um, the fit is starting to to worry folks. I think it comes down to them not having a true point guard who can get them in their sets. Something I've mentioned uh, in the season preview is like every team could use a Chris Paul or a Kyle Lowry, but the Celtics could really use a guy like that. Um, a playmaking first point guard, even a guy like Ricky Rubio, the dollar store version of those two previous guys I mentioned just Dennis Schroeder with more of a score first mentality is not necessarily the guy getting you into their into your sets and Marcus Smart calling them out a couple weeks ago for not passing the ball he's not a guy that's going to spread the rock around either so despite some decent performances from Al Horford and and you're getting an up and down season from Robert Williams so far it it really the success of this team is going to land on those two stars and what they do and they score a ton but they give up a little bit in terms of playmaking and defense when they're putting they're both putting up almost 25 points a game um and this celtics team is is struggling offensively because when the ball sits in the hands of those two guys a lot of times it's harder for other teammates to find their rhythm and not much to say about that but it is worrying times in bean town for sure
1: Mm-hmm. Um, wins over the Raptors and the Bucks in recent days, but losses to those hot Calves, uh, the Bulls, the two losses to the Wizards, those top teams in the East seem to be feasting on the Celtics right now, something that for sure they're going to have to address moving forward. Maybe the biggest shock so far of this report, we move out of the East, or excuse me, out of the playoff picture in the East and arrive at the number 11 team, the Milwaukee Bucks. Just six and eight in their first 12 games. They sit at 11 points out of the playoff picture. Injury trouble, to be sure, but not where anyone had this team picked, not two or three stratospheres off.
0: Yeah. Again, this is a team that has maybe a little bit of a championship hangover coupled with the fact that they are suffering from a number of injuries and COVID protocols, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I'm not worried about them. Giannis is unbelievable, like 26 points per game, uh, one steal, almost two blocks a game, six assists, over 11 rebounds. (laughs) He's just dominating. And this team isn't nearly at full force, still struggling to put together the right lineups right now, missing Chris Middleton and missing Dante DiVincenzo, George Hill, Brooke Lopez, a big part of what they do in their rotation. So not much really to say about these guys here. They're going to turn it together and and figure it out. Um, but yeah, they, they've, there's really not much to say here. Another, a team that, again, like the Philadelphia 76ers, you kind of got to throw out this early season window uh, until they get a full look at what their team is going to be.
1: For sure. It's that big three really seemed to put it all together as the playoffs went on. Um, they're going to be one of the most entertaining, and they should be one of the most prolific. On court pairings you can make in the NBA at this moment. So you can't bet against them until you see it. All right, let's fly through these last few spots. The Indiana Pacers, identical with the Bucs at six and eight. What do you think?
0: Uh, they're starting to pick it up um, and they've got a lot of talent on their roster. They're certainly going to catch a few teams, but I, I don't know that they, they just play. Really, really boring basketball, uh, bottom half of the league in pace. They're not a great defensive team either. Um, the one thing I will say is they are—they have had the hardest strength of schedule so far this season, so there definitely is room for them to improve there, get some easier matchups, get some wins under their belt in that regard. Uh, Chris Duarte has been more than advertised, really exciting Canadian prospect. Uh, to see him perform at a high level. Malcolm Brockton is starting to heat up now as he's getting more games under his belt. But yeah, again, another team that seems to hover around a certain ceiling and have a certain level of talent. The NBA is so overloaded with talent though nowadays that it feels like for in order for Indiana to really take that next step, they're going to have to package together some of these mid-tier stars and really go for that High, high level star that uh, Paul George was for them many, many years ago.
1: Brings back memories. Moving along, I only take a little bit of glee in saying this. At the number 13 spots, five and nine are the Atlanta Hawks. A lot going wrong for them early in the season after that fantastic playoff run they had.
0: Yeah. uh, uh, Another team like Indiana, their third highest strength of schedule so far this season. Um, They lead the league in turnover percentage on offensive possessions uh, and are third last in the league in defensive rating. So those are kind of the three big problems that shed out to me right away. And then qualitatively more so, you're seeing that Trey Young, despite scoring almost 26 points per game, is averaging nearly four turnovers a game. And uh, the efficiency is down a little bit. And a big part of that is he's not getting the same whistle that he's used to his free throw attempts down around five as well. Like James Harden. Um, he was a guy that really benefited from going around screens and hitting the brakes and having guys run into him. He can't do that anymore. Um, and it's, it's starting to affect him in that way. He's just, he's such, he's very diminutive in size. And when you're not getting that whistle, it's really, really tough to score. Um, again, he's, Incredibly gifted offensively. I think he'll figure it out, but with him slightly down in terms of his production, it falls on the rest of the team to to do a little bit more. And I think each guy on this team believes they can do more and that's almost hurting this team. They have too many guys. I was really, really high on the level of depth on this team. One through 16, every single guy could get in here and play NBA minutes but sometimes you need those guys who are willing to sacrifice some production in order to take on a role that contributes to winning and that's what this Atlanta Hawks team needs to figure out as the season moves along.
1: And with the 25-11 and run they had to close out last year's regular season and the strength of schedule they've had to deal with so far, definitely no one is counting this team out until they are officially out of the playoffs. So a lot of people still holding their breath for Atlanta to turn it on. Uh, We get to the bottom two teams in the league, and when I said we could write some teams out of the playoffs already, this is where I had in mind. Um, I think we can maybe talk about these two teams in one quick breath, the Detroit Pistons 3-9, and nine. the Orlando Magic 3-10, uh, two teams that are still in the rebuilding stage of the process. Uh, the only thing really noteworthy here, I don't think we've talked about yet, we don't know what Cade Cunningham will be someday, but he's certainly not a difference maker at the highest level in the NBA yet, and far from it.
0: Yeah, it's tough that he had a bit of an injury to start the season, and now that he's getting run, he's starting to look a lot better. Um, it took him a couple of games to figure it out at Oklahoma State, and he's such a smart player. He's going to do it here. Uh, I have all the faith in the world that he's going to be a high-level NBA player. But Detroit has got to be looking at these early performances from Paulo Banquero and Chet Holmgren in the NCAA and licking their chops at the fact that they could put together – two massive high-level young stars together um it's going to be another tanking season for detroit but looking forward to seeing how the progression of of cunningham turns out
1: and a team that's maybe where detroit is trying to get to in the collection of quality prospects the magic um, I, I know they really terrified me that game the Raptors played against them, especially Cole Anthony. He seemed unstoppable for a couple minutes there, but at just three and ten. I I guess I feel for the Magic fans a little because as a Raps fan I know I always look at the ceiling of what each player can do and mm-hmm. say okay on paper this could be one of the best teams in the league I don't know if the temptation's quite as strong there for the Magic uh, the reality far from that though.
0: Yeah, the positives you can take from this season, this is a team that just does not have the talent, plain and simple. The the positives you can take is the emergence of Cole Anthony as an alpha doggy scorer-type guy, taking the keys away from Jalen Sunks, who everyone had deemed as their kind of leader on the offensive end. And then Franz Wagner, man, he had a really poor preseason in summer league and people were calling him a bust already, and he has been electric. For the Orlando Magic, he plays in all different facets of the game. Really smart player, averaging 13 points, four rebounds, two assists, steal and a half and half a block. But um, it's the little things that he does that have to have Magic fans really, really excited to see what he can do long-term. And if you're the Warriors, man, like obviously they're off to an incredible start to their season. But if they had this dude as well, you're looking at <laughs> – I don't know, man, that like he would fit so well into that system. They got to be kicking themselves for taking Kaminga now early in the season.
1: Alas, what can you do? That's almost 60 minutes. I think that's about 45 to 50 talking just about the NBA East. We're going to take a quick break here as we figure out how else this podcast will proceed. And we're back after a quick deliberation we've decided to call it a night as owen prepares for a job interview tomorrow and i need some time to prepare to do the nba west proper because there's a lot of interesting things to talk about there and we've got to do them justice so we're going to sign off here oh i don't know if you have any closing notes
0: uh nothing in particular uh on the NBA side, it'll be looking forward to part two tomorrow with you, buddy. Uh, on the hockey side, obviously, it's been a while since we've been here. But since then, Alexander Ovechkin moving the fourth all-time in goals scored in the NHL. And Connor McDavid hitting 600 points already. <laughs> you think about the 1,000-point milestone being so difficult to achieve. He's well on his way to that. He is him and... Dreisaitl are on pace for like 180 point season something we haven't seen since the early 2000s in terms of production so really excited to see what he can do and obviously we'll get to the NHL later on this week and what's being done there but um, yeah really ridiculous that he is so far ahead of everyone else in the league in terms of talent.
1: Yeah, 100%. Looking forward to chatting about hockey, maybe Thursday, maybe Sunday, (laughs) maybe both. It's definitely on our radars to do a check-in, just as we've started doing for the NBA. But that's all for now. Rest up, folks. We'll be back with part two of our NBA check-in for the Western Conference tomorrow. Until then, Sports Next Door signing out.